Welcome to It's the Bob McCallum Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Uh, the podcast is set to begin with our friend John Shannon. It's also available on Sirius, channel 167, at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Which, 3 Pacific, Bob. Thank you very much. Well, you know, you have to look after people outside. What the is it in Hawaii? Zone. You know what uh, it is well, in Hawaii? Three more hours, so it'll be noon. Okay, thank you very much. Might make noon sure we get Hawaii. that in there. Yeah, yeah. We should basketball do the show from Hawaii. That'd be nice. Have you been? Yeah. Have you been to, to Hawaii? Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, multiple times. Multiple. Really? I've never been. Oh, really? Believe it you or got, not. You got to get it. You got to get out of that house, man. Well, I don't. But you know, when I lived in Las Vegas, I you know we we pondered and planned to go to Hawaii because oh. Hawaii is to a Las Vegan like Florida is to a Torontonian, yeah. you know. Yeah, we uh, when we lived in Calgary, we we'd, we'd go to we'd go to Hawaii twice a year. I'll bet you it was fantastic. Basketball on the agenda to uh, today: Doug Smith of the uh, Toronto Star and uh, Michael Grange of Sportsnet, two basketball aficionados, will join us, and we'll talk about the. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, you may have heard of them. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. Bet Rivers. Dot com. McCown and Shannon back with you. It seems a little a bit early to discuss the future of the Toronto Raptors beyond this year. And yet I'm kind of puzzled by what we what we do in evaluating them this year. Can we simply say it has been a disappointing year? Um, there was one change made at the trade deadline, and that was Pirtle. That had impact for two or three games but seems to have settled now to where it doesn't have much impact at all. And while this team might make the playoffs, nobody, I don't think, expects them to go anywhere beyond that. We are with uh, Doug Smith and Michael Grange to talk a little basketball uh, and specifically about the Raptors. Smitty, uh, this has got to be a, a season that is disappointing because I, I don't think the Raptors thought they were a championship team, but I think they thought they were better than this, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I think what they thought at the start of the year was some specific players would show improvement in their game. And that hasn't happened. And that's a disappointment. Like, I don't think anybody can say that Precious Achu is a better player today than he was at the start of the season. Right. I don't think people can say Gary Trent Jr. has had a bigger impact this year than than they would have thought. So there are mm -hmm. that's the disappointment, is that the I collectively as a team, I was told early in the year if they lost in the first round, there would be significant changes and they're not going to, that's going to happen. What those changes are. And I think it's, 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 it's down to the individual improvement of the players that hasn't happened. 
Grange, what does that mean for those individual players then? Well, I'd also like, I think management has to take some weight here oh, too. Oh, oh no uh, question. No question. You know, like it's, it's, uh, this team has been without a significant bench presence for since 2019 20. And they've kind of fiddled around the edges and the, the, you know, the, the, the kind of swings they did make, I guess, Otto Porter Jr. would count. Absolutely haven't worked. I mean, injuries are injuries, but um, that could have been predicted based on his history. And uh, so I think, you know, I agree with Doug. I mean, I think there was a blue sky view that if Pascal Siakam is this type of player and OG Ananobi takes this step and, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet stays at this level and and you kind of go on down the line, then they should be better than the 48-win team they were a year ago. Um, almost none of those things have happened. And some of the flaws they were trying to fix in the offseason have in some ways gotten worse. So in terms of changes, um, you know, I, I think what Doug says is I totally agree. Um, you know, it's one thing to have an expensive near cap team that's got a real chance to maybe host playoff series and things like that. Then maybe you go shopping around and 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 kind of splurge and see if you can get your team better than that. But the way they project right now is um, a team with their two most prominent players, anyways, Siakam and and uh, Van Vliet, touching thirty. Fred's already thirty. Uh, Siakam turns thirty, I think, shortly. Um, and I might be wrong on that. He might be twenty turning twenty nine. But uh, regardless, you know, well into their primes. And everyone almost that you can think of either looking for a deal or a year away from looking for a deal, add it all up. And they're all each good enough to get paid, but not together good enough to mm -hmm. really make an impact. So I think as a, you know, you have to, if you keep going down that path, I mean, you know, you're, we know what the results will be. We talk uh, about players uh, uh, continually and we are now, but does the coach take any of the fall on this? I, I absolutely, Bob. Absolutely. And I, I know that Nick is dealing with a team that had a lot of people in and out of the lineup early in the year. But the thing that made him unique and, and very good was his ability to spread stuff around and create um, things that worked. He got so married to Van Vliet, Siakam, the starters that we don't know what like, a guy like a guy like Malachi Flynn, for instance. I still don't know whether he's an NBA player. Yeah, and I think you got to give kids like that a run and find out. And then, you know, the Mike brings this up. Mike brings this up often. When Nick was an assistant coach, he was the guy proponent of the bench mob. It was five guys who go out there and play and figure out how to create chaos and win games. Yeah, that was the head coach. He doesn't play his bench. So I mean, there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of hard questions asked of Nick Nurse in this offseason, as there should be. Whether it makes it means a change, I don't know. Change of philosophy. But, uh, yeah, when you're spreading responsibility for the way this season has turned out around, I would coaching's got to be right at the top of the list. Before we, uh, be, Go ahead, John. <clears throat> no, I just be, before before we dissect everything and whether and, and get Michael's point on that, like what is the personality of this team? Does it have a personality? Michael? Um, that's a good question. and and I would say, it ties into the coaching as well. So, and I would, you know, I kind of defend Nick in, in a lot of ways because I think at the pro level, 
Um, you know, you really do want to have an identity as a team and, you know, you set out to play a certain way and do you execute that? That's a little bit what you're measured on. And so in his defense, right, they've been very transparent the last two years, certainly going into this year, that they were going to be a team that generates a lot of offense from their defense, that plays a very high pressure style of defense, that wants to be at or near the top of the league in turnovers, forced um, transitions, points scored, all these kinds of measures and offensive rebounding they really wanted to to win the possession game the possession game as they would call it in a big way and look full marks they've absolutely done it <laughs> and and uh you know but the problem is it hasn't always resulted in victories and that's where um you know ultimately a coach gets measured and you know and I think you have to ask yourself well, why have they committed so you know uh, wholeheartedly to this philosophy it's well because they, based on personality, that's sort of what they needed to do to win. Um, it has it worked in some measure last year. Um, I think that they were a little bit ahead of the curve, and and they were definitely caught a lot of teams off surprise. But by surprise, and this year, you know, the league adjusts, and I can't say that the Raptors have. That's on Nick to an extent, um, you know. And and I think when you add Jakob Pertl at at uh, at the trade deadline, that's a recognition by management that maybe this roster didn't have the balance it needed. Um, and yet it's all it's done is kind of show that there's more issues in terms of, you know, now you have an even more congested floor. If there's not enough room, there's not enough shooting and, you know, the offense suffers. So um, they, so I, I, to answer your question, I think they do have an identity and, and even just uh, when they were in, uh, Los Angeles the other day, you know, they played two games there, the Friday night against the Lakers. And they played, they, I thought they played three really good games on that road trip against Denver, Clippers, Lakers. They played really hard in all of them. That's always been a kind of a nurse team trademark. Um, they executed in terms of, you know, forcing turnovers and all those kinds of things, but they were generally undone by the fact that they can't make shots. They don't have enough guys who can create shots. And um, you know, so everything else kind of falls apart against quality of uh, opponents. Um, you know, th they suffer a little bit on the leadership front where I think there's guys in that room who are pretty good leaders. Fred Van Vliet, surely one of them. I think, you know, Pascal Siakam, a guy, you know, from all accounts and all evidence is a really good pro, a guy you can kind of um, follow as an example. But do they have a real connective, connective tissue Mm -hmm. um, passion for what they're doing together. I mean that you know, Masai Ujiri said so at the trade deadline. Not not always. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's when you have thin margins. You're that that usually means trouble. Well, this is a league. Maybe all sports are are the same, but this is a league that certainly operates with the, under the premise of you have to have stars. You have to have great a great player or two in order to be good in this league. Do the Raptors have any? The Raptors have any great players? No, no. Um, I think they good guys ones. who are great at some of the things they do, um, but do they have a guy who, you know, would everyone agree is one of the best ten or fifteen players in the league? Then no, they don't. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and and it's funny we had a whole Fred VanVleet ref controversy last week. You know. Like somebody, you know, in the organization was saying to us, really, it comes down to the fact we don't have a superstar because the refs are, you know, the refs treat superstars different. We don't have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I don't think you'd get much argument anywhere in the organization about that. Yeah. Um, 
the problem, the, the biggest problem, I guess, I, that I see is that um, you have a team that's, you know, around a 500 team and they'll finish around 500 and they'll probably make the playoffs. But rebuilding it, who do you rebuild it around? If you are going to make changes, and I think we all agree that changes will be made during the offseason, I think they've got to. They can't come back with the same roster. This is not a young, upcoming team anymore. You know, yes, they have some younger players, but you can't say that this is, you know, a bunch of kids who are learning to play together any longer. They were three or four years ago, not anymore. So what do you do? Who do you build around? I I think they really love Scotty Barnes. They think he is the next wave of great NBA player. I'm not 100% sold on that. But at, at 21 or 20, 21, 22 years old, going into his third season, maybe he becomes that. I think Van Vliet is a guy you want to re-up, but that's my own opinion. I don't think that's shared necessarily by a lot of people. Um, but and then you see if you can turn a guy like Siakam or Ananobi into something in a trade. And I think you got to investigate both those guys pretty heavily. And I think Gary Trent is the big odd one because I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of money for him on the market. I'm not sure there's going to be a role he wants on the market, but I wouldn't want to overpay him to stay here in Toronto. That's going to be, to me, that's the guy who's the big, big question mark going into the July uh, free agency trade draft period. Well, he's he's a one-trick pony. He's a shooter, period. Yeah, but teams, but NBA, good NBA teams need that guy. I know. He just he just has been, he, I'm not sure he can do it coming off the bench on a very good team. And if he's starting for you, I don't think you're a very good team. Yeah, I think that's, you're probably that's right. That's a big conundrum there, man. No, I know you felt that Michael, way for a long time. And Michael, do you feel the same way about Van Vliet? I mean, you, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Is is he good enough? And B, what is the option, <laughs> right? Well, that that's – and this gets back to um, I think once they made the decision not to trade at the – to deal at the trade deadline to actually acquire a good player in Pirtle versus, you know, kind of moving on from some of their players. You know, I, I, if they end up in a mode where they're trading more than one of their pending free agents, so Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., um, and uh, who's the other one? Pirtle. Pirtle, sorry. Um, you know, if they're so trading, you know, either Gary or Fred, um, I think it's, again, turns the spotlight right back on management. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some kind of sign and trade thing you can do to salvage um, a deal. But, um, you know, you had an opportunity, I think, to trade at a pretty good value in Feb early February. And I don't know if that value is going to be there, there in in in, uh, in the summer. Uh, the obvious thing when you're talking about moving on or moving forward is age. Right. And, um, you know, Fred, Fred brings tremendous value and you're right, John, there's zero replacement for him on the right. roster. That's part of the problem is they don't have another guy who can play point guard for them in any fixed facsimile. Um, the latest is they're talking about Will Barton being there. Back <laughs> right? I mean, it's just like, it's not fair to Will Barton. Um, and so, you know, so if, again, so you move off him, you create a hole, uh, but he is, as I said, 30 years old. And, you know, if you're looking at the future with this group, it starts with OG and, o OG and Obi, and you go down because OG's still yet 25. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., all the points Doug made are very valid, but he does 
Um, I think he's going to be relatively affordable to sign and, and he does fill a, a gap in any roster, almost any roster. And, um, you know, and, and Scotty Barnes, you kind of just give him room and say, listen, you know, uh, we need you to grow and grow fast. But in doing all of that and scuffling along here at, you know, maybe 10th place, maybe 11th place, maybe 9th place, you know, you've kind of almost screwed yourself out of a reasonable draft position Right. Um, barring any anything really luck. And and I think we the most likely scenario for all of this is we're going to look back a year from now or two and go, you know, that was a missed opportunity. You know, they should have been more decisive, uh, kind of cut, took the bandaid off a little sooner and uh, maybe we'd be a year or two ahead. And, and, and I think maybe an, in terms of an analogy, I always think back to that first or I guess the second year when Mark Shapiro was with the Blue Jays, and I remember being in studio with Bob with you and talking about this. And, you know, that first year he came in after, uh, you know, Alex Anthopoulos and he inherited a really good team. And of course, you're going to run with it. But it was clear then that, you know, that team had kind of run its course unless you're going to really invest. And he hold, held on that one extra year. And instead of you getting incredible returns for Josh Donaldson, you get piddling returns. And, and it's kind of worked out to a decent place. But it took a year or two longer than it could have had they been more decisive off the top. So that's, you know, if you that's sort of why I see a compare a comparison there. Well, he also had the advantage of having two really good players come up at the same time who were babies, who have been the key to the, the Blue Jays franchise right. since then. The Raptors don't have that. They don't have players with the 905 that are, you know, emerging, do they? No, I mean, and Scotty Barnes would still be that. I mean, he's 21. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. He's got years of, of growth, I think. Um, but well, what kind of a player is he, in your opinion? I think he's a really good player. I think he's, you know, I think there's things about him that uh, you got to get very excited about. I mean, he's he's certainly got the courage to play hard, play in the fourth quarter and, and, and try to win games. He's got um, the ability to make huge athletic plays against the best players in the league. Um, you he's know, not a big time scorer. He's uh, he's an opportunistic scorer, I guess I would say. I think he's got to grow along, go a long, long way defensively to to kind of round out as the player he can be. He doesn't need to be a big time scorer. He can be a big time connector and a big time contributor, but he's got to be a better defender to to have all those gifts float to the top. Um, and and again, going to the point I was making earlier, if Scotty Barnes is your guy. And OG Ananobi is definitely, you know, again, we could debate back and forth on him, but he's definitely uh, the profiles as a player you need on a good team. Um, you know, the perfect scenario to me would have been you get lucky in the draft this year and you get another, you know, 20-year-old uh, stud, just a guy who athletically is going to have every chance to be an NBA star. And, you know, at that point, you know, you you that that's where I don't see how the Raptors – you know, there's two ways to get good, right? Like you have a whole bunch of extra assets and you trade them for good players to add to what you have. We saw that in 2018-19. Or you uh, you accumulate all those assets and they eventually turn into something good. And we saw that in 13-14 through 2018. The Raptors, I don't see them kind of... Neither of those scenarios seem very obvious to me as to how the Raptors are going to make that happen. Yeah, but Doug, uh, that, uh, Michael's just tweaked me to something like, how how has this team done in the draft? How would you measure their draft record the last, well, five years? Um, not particularly good. You know, they, they they hit a home run with Barnes, no question. Um, but 
Malachi Flynn, but, but you know, it's also a case of where they were drafting. There weren't a lot of other options out there, although my goes back to Desmond Bain is playing great in Memphis. We could have been a Raptor. Didn't, mm-hmm. They didn't take him for whatever reason. I think they missed that. I think they missed on, they might've missed on Flynn, but again, I don't know because they never let him play, but mostly they're, the, the interesting thing is all the talk about the Raptors brilliant um, player development. They haven't developed any players in a little while. And yeah. I think that's, it's hard to do because you got them split between Mississauga and Toronto, and it takes a long time. If they're not playing, can they develop? But I can't think of too many that have become really good players because they got into their the Raptors system. Yeah. Just just pulling up their their draft history, guys, and so they had a second round pick only this year. That's another point of conversation. But you know, Christian Coloco, he looks like he might be an NBA player, which for a guy picked thirty third is is. Yeah. You know, that's the that's best okay. you usually hope for. We'll find out in a few years. Barnes, obviously, last year. Delano Banton, um, I'm not, com- you know, I'm not completely out on him yet, but it's interesting, and I think Doug, make, or Doug makes a great point. There's a guy you would have hoped, I know they hoped, would have been way further along in his development yeah. by this time this season. Um, so there's a, some discussion to be had. But has that. he been given a chance, Michael? Well. Has he been given enough playing time? Delano Benton had, I think, his career high twenty-seven points against the Pistons in Detroit. In Detroit, yeah. And uh, I want to say it was early December. Uh, sprained his ankle shortly after that, and he's basically not been seen since. <laughs> he had a couple. He had an ankle. I think he had a hip, maybe a thumb somewhere in there. And he's he's played more year more games in with Raptors nine hundred five than he did with the big team last year. You ask Nick Nurse about that, he'd say, "Well, you know, he's given everything he brings. He gives away on on defense and." You know, yeah, it's a it's chicken and egg. Like at one point, at some point, you got to trust like what they're telling you, right? Like, I mean, the they want guys to be good as soon as, soon as possible, also. But um, you know, the 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 one of the advantages of having a not very good team, and that's one of the the maybe it's odd to say a setback of them kind of being surprisingly good last year and and expected to be you know better this year is that you put so much premium on the now that, that, you know, you, you kind of rush past the, your development. And, and so Delano Banton this year has been kind of a write-off for that, unless maybe the 905 experience really worked. Uh, 2020, Doug points out Malachi Flynn chosen 29th. I mean, you know, yeah, you could have had Desmond Bain (laughs) in a perfect (laughs) world, but every team has two stories like that. And then, you know, 19, you got Dwan Harris. So they didn't have a first round pick. And 2017, you've got, you know, that's the end. You got OG Ananobi taking 23rd. And that's kind of the end of that incredible run they had. Right. 15, 16, 17. They just had, you know, you got OG Ananobi, Jakob Pearl, Pascal Siakam, DeLon Wright. You got, and Norm Powell was in Norm there. Powell, yeah. So you got, you know, six really, really good NBA players in three years in the highest spot you picked was ninth so which which gets to michael's point is they they had amassed assets at that time because they turned the lawn right into marcus Saul along with jonas valanciunas they turned portal into Kawhi along with Demarta rosen they had they had accumulated things that they could go to the market with look at the back end of this roster from eight to 17 i don't think they got anybody anybody wants so you're not gonna be able to turn like they got guys who were players maybe but exactly. not not going to get you a return. They just got a bunch of guys um, who may who probably won't be special. Like Delon Wright is still playing and playing great. 
And don't think Memphis didn't think that when they traded Gasol. They knew that they, they had something. But the Raptors had, had put together a group that could make that trade. They got mm-hmm. nothing they could make that trade with today yeah. without gutting the core of the team. So are they, so is this a classic case of paying the price for winning that championship? Um, um, I think it's – go ahead, Doug. No, go, go ahead. I, I mean, I think that they – if you're kind of reverse engineer the past few years, 1920 was an awesome year. Who knows what happens if they don't get hit with the pandemic. Um, you know, I think that was a good enough team to win the East – and right. uh, who knows what they do in the finals, right? So, so they kind of, even though they lost Kawhi Leonard, they, you know, it's incredible when you think about it that they could lose Kawhi Leonard and be a sixty-win team and come within a hair's breadth of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that should never happen. Um, that's why Nick Nurse was Coach of the Year, and I think that's why there's so much excitement around everything. But things sort of began to wobble after that, and. You know, they they in retrospect wisely didn't bring back Marcus All and um, Serge Ibaka. I was very critical of them for losing both those players at that time. But when you look at how the they, you know, the rest of the they've gone since then, and they they were just, you know, I hate to say it, they were done, and they were smart not to make those deals. Um, but they never. But from that point on, they were kind of you know you've lost. So from that championship team. He lost, you know, you know, a Hall of Fame player in Kawhi. Well, he lost four of the five starters. Yeah, he lost a Hall of Fame point guard in in, in uh, Kyle Lowry. You lost a Hall of Fame player in Marcus All, and you lost, you know, a 15 year All NBA type defender in Serge Ibaka. Um, and none of those guys were replaced with anything. I don't know right. as you look back. I guess with Preston Chichua was the one, the one with Tava. But so I don't know if you look at all those moves and say, you know, you could have done anything differently to kind of offset where they are now, but they are in a in a in a hole. And I think they're hoping, planning, you know, that that Tampa Tank thing was all about bridging. And uh, you know, I just don't think that they've got enough horsepower to uh to make it happen. Yep. Uh, we, we're halfway through. we got to take a little break. Doug Smith and Michael Granger are with us. We'll be back in a moment. The Bob McCowan Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. McCallum and Shannon along with uh, Grange and Smith as we uh, discuss the Toronto Raptors and their dilemma. And I... Um, Granger, you know, look, you said it perfectly. I, I had written down, you know, we, we often talk about the, the loss of Kawhi 
after that championship year as being the significant turning point for the franchise. But really, you know, Gasol and Ibaka were the kind of guys that the championship team needs, veterans who still could produce. And they let them go too. And um, uh, there just wasn't anything ready to, to pick up. Like Kawhi's a special player. We get that. Even though he hasn't played much with the Clippers the last couple of years. He played enough with the Toronto Raptors to make them a championship team. But Gasol and, and Ibaka were, were keys in that. And I guess you are surprised, too, that they didn't keep one of them at least, if not both of them. At the time, for sure. At the time, I mean, Serge Ibaka was coming off uh, his, the best year of his career. He was awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was really shocked that they uh, kind of came with a – you know, I think the Ibaka search churches people will tell you was just not a very serious offer. And he decided to go with the Clippers. Um, but, you know, you, you know, in the end, sometimes the deals, you, you, you always get credit for, get blamed for the, 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 the ones you miss. Sometimes, you know, you deserve credit and, and, and look, I've, I, I can sit here and talk about the mistakes Raptors executives have made in the past couple of years, but you do have to acknowledge had they followed my advice <laughs> and kind of re-upped with Serge and or Mark or, or, or both, um, it would have, you know, uh, you know, based on the fact that they both fizzled out almost immediately after that, you, you know, you can't blame them, but it did leave them in a hole. And ironically, because they had no centers that year in Tampa, they had to play small and that sort of begat this whole, you know, vision six, nine thing. Well, maybe we won't yeah. play with any centers, and uh, that's sort of proven to be a little fanciful. And so they're trying to fix that one, too. <laughs> I, think, I think it became fanciful when the rest of the league started doing it, too. Like, like yeah. Mike, you said earlier, they were, the Raptors were ahead of the curve. And they caught a lot of teams by surprise last year by being all 6'9 and all long and all quick. And now the, everybody in the NBA does that now. And the Raptors haven't the, – the, the league has caught up to them. And they can't surprise I, people. I've never been that – I, I say this, I don't think they were ever as far ahead of, like, I don't ever thought, I never once thought that Vision 6-9, whatever you want to call it, or was that far ahead of the curve. Like, I recall the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, wanting with Jan, John Hammond wanting to do this 15 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah. That's why they were the team that was so hot on Giannis Antetokounmpo when no one knew who he was, because they wanted to gather all the kinds of athletes. I think where they were ahead of the curve was like, okay, once we have these players and because we don't have any options, we're going to play a very specific style defensively, right. and that's going to generate our offense. Well, the reason they had to do that is because they forgot another very traditional aspect of elite basketball. That's shooting. And, um, you know, they just don't have enough of it. And no. um, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of come back to bite them over and over again. And the two trademarks of this team this year are when they don't turn you over, uh, they're incredibly easy to score against because they're typically, you know, they commit two to the ball or, or they, they kind of are hyper aggressive in terms of a steal, going for a steal or deflection. Then they end up, you know, odd man behind the ball and it's a layup line back there. So that's horrible. And then offensively, if they don't have an opportunity to score in transition, they're terrible. And why is that? Score. Because they don't have anyone who can really, you know, drive to the rim and, and and scramble a defense and they don't have any enough players who can consistently 
uh, scare teams on the perimeter that can spread your defense. So you, you've constantly got guys going against pack defense, you know, a packed half court defense without the means to do anything to break it up. We sat here in November. We sat here in November and said this team did not have enough shooting. I think and I said that in right. training camp. This and is like this is like no surprise. If you look at their training camp numbers, and I remember talking to the, asking Nick Nurse about this, like I think they shot twenty five percent from three in the exhibition season, and at the time they go, oh, that's just an aberration. You know, we got a lot of great shooters, and I've for the number of times I've heard Nick say that, and credit to him, right? Like he's not, you know, going to torch his guys in public, but uh, you know we. His they don't good shooters <laughs> haven't shot that great, and they don't have any good shooters or many good shooters, I should say. Right, and they have no great shooters. No, you know, they I, don't, I, I no, they don't have a guy, a guy. I sat and watched the Laker game, and had to Google Austin Reeves, and say, like, like he was a free agent, right? He was an undrafted, he was, player. undrafted, yeah. undrafted, player. undrafted player. That's what I'm saying, undrafted player. And in this day and age, isn't that when you're going through this metamorphosis as a basketball team, don't you have to go and find those type of guys? You got to get lucky for sure. Like the Raptors did with undrafted Fred Van Lee. So yeah, right. but, it, but it doesn't happen that often, but yeah, you got to try to hit a home run out of nowhere. And well, 25 teams don't. That raises another question that we haven't talked about. And that is what about Masai Ujiri and the, and the job that he has done? Cause I can, I can, just I can look at this team and say he has not done enough. He has not recognized that the team is not good enough, and he has done very almost nothing to improve this basketball team over the last two years. What do you think about that? I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, you know, I think they after last year, which was a better than anyone expected year, mm-hmm. they decided, okay, we're going to bring this group back. We're going to try to add, and they added, I said, you know, as we said, Otto Porter Jr. And forget the name Otto Porter Jr. If they had a player who fit his profile available off their bench, I do think their team would be better this year. Um, it, for, you know, were, was was it wise to make Otto Porter Jr. that choice? How many other choices did they have? I don't know. But, you know, it wasn't like they tried to do nothing. It just didn't work. Um, and... But they didn't trade anybody. No, they didn't trade. You know, but then they go and they get a twenty-seven-year-old center at the trade deadline, who's pretty good. Yeah, who's a lottery pick. That's a guy who's the ninth overall pick. That's a guy. You know, if that's a need on your team, it would have been a need on your team next year, and you've filled that need for let's say you sign him four years. He should be a very effective player for that whole period. Um, But I think, you know, but I think where we're really going to be able to make that decision is come this summer and you know what you know i do think they've painted themselves in a little bit into a corner i guess is that's the best way to say it a I, lot. I, i'm not going to start swinging and saying look they're they're this they're that and the other everything they've done is usually had some measure and some logic to it but you know n- this is just one of those seasons that's never everything everything seems to have gone just a little sour and you know, and so now they've kind of put themselves in a bit of a corner. They got to figure out what they're going to do with their free agents, how much they're going to pay them. If you pay them all, um, how much are you tying your hands in other areas? And what are you committing yourself to in the next two or three years? Are you just kind of kind of going to be spending a lot of good money to be battling for the seventh seed from now till, you know? Yeah, whatever. I, I do. I do think this is like this is the 
watershed mark of, of Mazai's leadership is this July, August, when they got to they gotta do something. And they do have to be creative and they got to get lucky. But they are, like Michael said, they are in a corner and they got to come out swinging. And they got to go, I think they got to go bold, but I'm not sure what they have to offer that would make a bold move. But uh, Mazai not trading in February or blowing it up in February, as the, as the phrase goes, is entirely logical. It's not what he does. Anybody thought that he would hadn't paid any attention to history. Agreed. He's a summertime guy. Now we got to see what the summertime brings. And I don't know, do you trust him to do it or you not, don't trust him? And what's, where's Bobby Webster fit in all this too? What's, what's, what's his input? Do they move everybody or a couple and bring back sort of the same team? Uh, I don't think you could do that either. I think you got to go bold. And I think probably two of Fred, Gary, and Pascal got to go. I well, don't know what to. I, I, you know, I, it will I'm depend not... on market. It will depend on what you can get for them. Well, of no course. Question. But I was going to ask you, what can you get for Van Vliet? Well, because I mean, this is, this he'd is be where at the, the top of my list to look at. You know, this is why the trade deadline was such a hot moment, is because. Fred Van Vliet's a pending free agent, so right. his trade market is significantly diminished. Um, you know, and, and Gary Trent Jr. is a pending free agent. His trade market is significantly diminished, so or trade value, I should say. So, you know, that's why, you know, people around the league, we're looking, you know, these aren't secrets. Like, people are looking at this and going, well, this makes sense because, you know, a contending team, you know, the Los Angeles Clippers were desperate enough to go get Russell Westbrook. That's how desperate they were for competent point guard play. Yeah, um, it could end up, you know, it could be the end of them. Um, yeah. So those were the opportunities out there, and you know they. But didn't that doesn't change this summer, Michael. Well, that's my point is they didn't take them, and so that's why I I kind of think that they're going to resign these guys, and then it's a matter of, you know, maybe they're deciding that, just like last year was an aberration to the good, this year's a bit of an aberration to the bad. Maybe it ends up being a coaching change. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a coaching change plus a little bit of personnel tweaking. And all of a sudden, you, 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 they become the team they think they are. Scotty Barnes takes the leap they wanted next year, not this year. Um, but to kind of, you know, kind of move away from those free agents we're talking about, that's going to be a big mistake. Yeah, I, I don't say, that's going to be reflective of a big mistake because you've either miscalculated what you can afford to pay them or what the market is for them. And as a result, that's, you know, assets, really good players potentially leaving for very little to none return. And that's how teams go downhill fast. And that's when you point directly at management. Absolutely. Well, um, I think you're right. I think they probably will keep Van Vliet. And I think they're going to way overpay him. He's, he's going to want a significant amount of uh, more money. And, I don't think he's worth it defensively. I think he's uh, one of the worst point guards in the NBA. Uh, I see night after night after night, he's always a step behind his uh, his man when his man tries to, goes around him with the ball or without the ball. And I, I just don't think he's a very good defensive guard. Offensively, he's you know he's fine. That's where he makes his money, and he can shoot a bit most of the time. So. There's some plus there, but I think defensively he's horrible. And I, I think it, that that and the rest of the guys not being great defensively has really hurt this team because they have played brutal defense this year. Well, it hurt, it hurt the team when they didn't have a seven-foot center at the rim. Sure. And now they do. Yeah. And, and probably do for 
well, in the next, if Purdue plays three more years, the perimeter defense will get better in those three years because they have that guy there who they didn't have. Maybe. Well, I have you seen a, that? Have you seen that yet, though? I've seen him protect the rim ex- uh, exponentially better than anybody else they've had. Well, of I think, course. I think, I think their defensive numbers with with Pirtle and Van Vliet on the floor are significantly better than they've been. Um, I don't think if Fred Van Vliet was the other guest on this podcast, he would uh, try to argue with you that he's the best point of attack defender in the NBA. I mean, the reality of containing point guards in the NBA today is nobody does it. <laughs> yeah, I these get guys it. Are, these guys are rocket ships, and um, it's it's basically your goal is to kind of shift them to an area of the floor where there is help, and then hope to scrap when you kind of have when the team kind of ends up slowing them down. Then you got to scramble back and and cover what what's been left open. I think Fred is not a horrible defender. <laughs> Fred's um, a, a really smart team defender. He's one of the he's constantly in the top five and steals and deflections and and he's gets there not by gambling and guessing and hoping he gets there because he's got incredible hands, incredible instincts. Um, and, you know, so I think he's limited because he's. But what are you going to what, what, what would you get for him if you traded him? Pardon me? What would you get for him if you traded I think, him? I think if you looked at what was around the trade deadline, I think you could have got a first round pick probably protected. And a good young player, you know. Uh, I guess the 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 question with the Clippers was, would they give give up Trey Mann or not? And mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess in the end they decided not. But you know, Fred VanVleet is is a really good player. Is he yeah. a perennial All Star? No. Does he have flaws? Yes. But um, I think the the one thing the Raptors do uh, very well, and this again is going to be a real litmus test for them is they are very good at predicting and sussing out what the market for their players is when they hit free agency. And I can't mm-hmm. think of an example like where a player has hit free agency and been swept out from under them and they've been like, oh, we didn't expect that. In fact, it's been the opposite. So Kyle Lowry, I think, was a free agent three times as a Raptor, certainly twice. Yeah. And each time he went, he was going hard. Like Kyle Lowry wanted to get the best deal. He was not committed to staying in Toronto. And the and best deal was always in Toronto. And each time he came back to Toronto on generous deals that he over that he outplayed the value of. And that same story was Fred Van Vliet. Both times he's been a free agent. And you know, so that's sort of where my confidence lies, I guess, is that you know, they have a really strong idea what they're willing to pay for Gary Trent Jr. and and what it would take compared to what the rest of the league might offer. And similarly with Jakob Berto when they made that trade and similarly with Fred VanVleet when they didn't make that trade. So, but the question is, you do all those things, you sign all those guys, are you any better? What's your potential? What's your right. business? And that's where I would have questions. Yeah, that's yes. why I don't think all three can come back. And I think Trent is the like, yeah, odd man out. But I don't... I don't but then, know. But then Doug, you, that's the critical mistake because he's a good young player that you're right. going to leave that you can't replace because you're over the cap. So you can't go sign a better version of Gary Trent. Right. Um, you've lost the opportunity to gain him, gain an asset for him. And so that is, to me, if it happens, is a big management mistake because regardless of whether you think Gary Trent Jr. is the answer or the savior, he's neither, but he's a quality NBA player with a definable NBA skill. And if he leaves your organization for nothing, that's a screw up. 
Yeah, and I got uh, yeah. My point would be that you got to look at the the, the total picture. You got to see what the team is after if he goes, and I don't know that he will. If he goes, what comes in and where are they after it's all done? I don't think you take all these moves in a vacuum. That what would you get for Fred? Well, you get this for Fred, but if you get that for Fred and this for uh, uh, Gary Trent or this for Chris Boucher or this for this guy, then you look at the total picture of your team in July as opposed to individual moves. And I think that's okay. where you that's where you work around the Trent has a very definable skill. He's a scorer, and NBA teams need scorers. But whether you replace that with the guy you get for him or the guy you get for another guy, that's where you got to look at, at the end of the day where the team is. But, but can this core win a championship? No, no, no but it couldn't, it couldn't win a championship in November. It's not going to win a championship okay. now. No, but this, no, no, no. So I'm, but I, but, but I, in I'm, the future. But I, I'm, I'm just talking about Doug, Doug, you said, you know, Masai's got to, you know, this is going to be his tougher summer and he's going to have to make a big splash. He's going to have to do something. And so that means he's going to have to do surgery on the court at some point. And whether that means Ananobi or whether that means Siakam or whether that means Van Vliet, there has to be something done. Or maybe even Barnes. Or maybe maybe even Barnes. Could you look at the the case that maybe this team is right now at where the Raptors were when they traded Terrence Ross for Serge Ibaka? And it took two moves after that for them to get to championship level. No, because that team... But they had more assets to deal with, too. They had more assets. They did have more assets. Yes, yes, they did. And that that, that was my point about the the, the bench. But they They had had more assets because the bench played. This bench doesn't play. How can you become an asset if you're sitting on the bench? That's they're very much caught in the middle. And, you know, if they, you know, in years previous, like Doug said, like, like, you know, Brian Colangelo was never like this celebrated uh, figure by the time he left here. He's pretty popular when he showed up. But, but I mean, he drafted Jonas Valanciunas. He drafted Terrence Ross and you know, those guys, and he drafted Demar and those guys. Um, so in a period of time, right? They accumulated really good NBA players. Um, he traded for Kyle Lowry. Um, he gave up a pick to do that, but unbeknownst to anybody, he traded for Hall of Famer. And he attached those to the assets they already had. And they became, you know, with a coaching, you know, they didn't make a coach. You know, they became a good NBA team. Right. Yep. And Masai shows up and they had enough assets to, as Doug points out, they could use Terrence Ross to go get Serge Ibaka. And, uh, you know, and they became a little better NBA team. And then they had that incredible run in the draft from, as we talked about, 15, 16, 17. And they were able to use those assets either to, you know, they, you know, Pascal Siakam became an all NBA player. Fred VanVleet became an all star. But then, you know, DeLon Wright was part of a trade with Jonas Valanciunas to get a Hall of Famer. DeMar DeRozan and Yaka Pirtle were part of a trade to go and get a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and so, you know, there are no assets either in terms of excess draft capital or really young, good players who are about to pop that the other team is really, the other league, the rest of the league is really excited about to kind of package to go and get it, mm-hmm. to go and get it. And if there were right, then, then, then this goes, when you look at the Kevin Durant talk last summer, any configuration of that trade, you were left with a strip roster, right? You didn't, you could have put together two, three players and picks, but Kevin Durant would be joining a team where there wasn't enough depth to compete. Right. 
So they, they've either got a, like, I just think it's very clear to me that they need to go into an asset accumulation mode. It's going to be a couple of years of pain. That's what they need to do. It's been shown yep. when Utah's done it. Uh, OKC has done it. Um, Orlando Magic have done it. There's just plenty of examples. It doesn't have to be a disaster. It doesn't have to be a five-year thing. It, you know, it's usually like a one, maybe two horrible years, and then a fun year when things start to look a little better, and then a really fun year when like OKC's at right now, where you know you can sort of see the outline of something really good. And then hopefully you kind of build on build from that. Um, but I think that's where they need to go. I think that's where they should go. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a little surprised they haven't gone there yet. One name we haven't mentioned in terms of possible trade is Siakam. I mean, he is their best player offensively. Um, but I mean, he has weaknesses that have that have not really improved. His ball handling is iffy. I know they let him bring the ball up the court um, uh, an awful lot, but he bumbles the dribble on occasion, and his his ability to, to make short shots, layups, wow. if you will has always bothered me. Uh, he's terrible at it. But I, 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 don't, I don't think terrible is the right word. He's actually a pretty good mid-range guy in that 10, 12 feet range. Well, at 10, 12 feet, but give, give him the ball where he has to put it off the basket to get it in. I mean, literally, oh, he can't, doesn't make a layup. He's, he's, he's gone through a very bad three-week stretch, but the guy is still a pretty damn good NBA player. Would you trade him? I would investigate it for sure. I'd trade anybody. I yeah. would trade anybody. You're looking at a 41 win team. To Michael's asset, to at Michael's asset management, to Michael's asset management plan, everybody's on the table. They have to be, in order but to you're do, not try to be back you're in not three acquiring years. big name guys. You're probably acquiring multiple players in no, any deal for a significant. But I'm uh, also not rapper. winning next year, right? Either I'm winning maybe two to exactly. three years from now. Exactly. Yeah. Because you got well, a lot maybe. of holes to fill. Hey, before we let you go, we got about 30 seconds each. You're going to watch the, are, are, are you big into the tournament? March Madness? Is it top of mind for you, Doug? <laughs> no, and I don't care about your bracket or anybody's bracket. I'll, I'll yeah, watch Zach. I'll watch the Canadian kid, Zach Eady, because I think he's going to be the player of the year and he's kind of fun to watch because of a bit of a throwback. But other than that, I'm, you know what I'm going to watch? I'm going to watch a lot of the women's tournament because that's where a bunch of Canadian kids I know are going to play really, really well. Yeah. Michael, Michael. Range? Yeah, probably similar to Doug. I mean, I, uh, you know, I do try to pay attention to teams that have guys that are projected behind the draft and, and all of that. And, 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 and Zach Eady, I think is a fascinating guy to watch. Um, and yeah, no, there's, uh, there's the women's tournament for Canadians actually is where it's at right now. So that's probably what I'll do, do I'll, I'll do. And I guess my son and I'll, I'll fill out a bracket with my son. That's the only, uh, betting I'll get into. And, uh, you know, that's about as far as I'll go with it. Well, I don't, I don't know that we resolved anything today. I suspect we didn't, but uh, it, it was an interesting discussion, and we will probably have a few more of these before this situation is resolved. Just, if it you, is you've resolved, de you've depressed every basketball fan in Southern Ontario. That's I can imagine thought. I did. <laughs> well, well, I've, been I've been depressed all season, so they those can fans had a, Those fans had a good eight-year run. A little bit of pain doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, they oh, they don't. They don't know what that. They don't know what pain is, Doug. <laughs> hey, you're preaching the choir on that one, baby. I know. I know. <laughs> we got to get out of here, Doug Smith, Michael Grange. Thank you, boys. Thanks, guys. All right, we talk you we'll talk to you soon. We'll be back in a moment. And we are back. 
So what would you do to the team? You're getting rid of everybody. Are you starting from scratch? Almost. Yeah. Uh, I think you have I, to. I think you, you have to make you have to make a couple of trades, and I think they have to be fairly big ones. And my and you know while I'm not necessarily in favor of it, I, there's nobody I don't like, and I don't think is is a good player. I don't think they're good enough, but I think you got to look at Ananobi. I've said that for a long time, and I still yes, think yeah. that he has yeah. he is he has good nights, and he's a good defensive player. But you need you need more attack. You need more more. You need somebody I, more dominant. And I I think they may be able to get him from a good team who needs a defensive forward. Yeah. So I he, move he, him. He, 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 he more I than any to, other team. He, I think he more than any other about, player uh, typifies the team. I think that he's 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 he is he is the Raptors. You know, good games, bad games, can play defense. You know, so sporadic. He reflects, I think, the team better than anybody else. And the other guy, I think you got to look at is Van Vliet, and not John, not just because, but partly because his contract is is nearly up. But 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 and you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. The problem is you don't have another point guard, so now you right. got to go get one. And you know how? What's your free agent dollars like? How much money can you spend? Well, that's part of it. You don't but, have very much. But, they don't want to go over the threshold. Well, then then maybe Van Vliet has to be traded. Because he's going to be a thirty million dollar guy, isn't he? I, I tell you what, I I'd, I'd start. I I would start from scratch. I'd write a letter to the season ticket holders and say, "Here we go, folks. Come enjoy the ride with us." Yeah, you can trade everybody. Why not? What are they? The, this team's not winning a championship, Bob. No, you're. 100% I want to win championships. Right you're hundred percent right, except it's an unrealistic goal. I know. To, to I know. try and trade everybody. We got to get out of here. Enjoy okay. the game tonight, if that's possible. They get Denver. Uh, we will see you uh, soon. Goodbye, everybody. Alex Anthopoulos tomorrow. Yes. Thank you very much.